So glad you could be here. Blessings to you this morning, Seacoast Community Church. Uh, and those who might be joining us via live stream, are glad you could be with us. I uh, just want to give you uh, just a few quick announcements this morning before we, uh, before we get started. Uh, the first is that I want to remind you that next weekend we have our congregational meeting to approve the 2021 budget. So that will be immediately following the service. And right now, everybody should have received uh, the uh, documents via email. If you haven't received it or are looking for physical copies, please let us know as soon as, uh, as, soon as you can, and we'll try to get that to you. Uh, the other quick announcement I have is that, uh, as you know, it's, uh, cold weather is here, and uh, a number of people have just kind of come down with uh, head colds and things like that, and it's totally fine. But... Uh, we want to continue to take precautions with COVID and everything. So if you wake up on a Sunday morning and don't feel well and you just have COVID-like symptoms, then, you know, please, uh, I, I hate to discourage anybody from coming to church. But uh, in that case, uh, you know, just try to be safe, take care of your health. And we want to also be sure that people are feeling comfortable when they come. And so if you are not feeling well, uh, and um, then it, consider uh, just uh, staying at home and just watching the service via online. And that leads me to the last announcement, and that is that we, uh, I don't think it's a problem for us this morning, uh, since uh, <clears throat> many of our, our, our kids won't be here, I think, but uh, we won't have any child care uh, because uh, some of our nursery workers got sick, um, and so they, they won't be here. But uh, I also wanted to mention quickly that uh, nursery is that, that there's always a need there, and so if, uh, if you're not uh, currently involved in just in child care, so it's a great ministry to, to be a part of to serve the church. So if you're not a part of that already, consider to be uh, consider being a part of that ministry just to help the church in that way. So uh, that's all the announcements I have, and uh, let's uh, let's worship the Lord. Please stand for our call to worship. And in following of what we did last week, uh, I will read. Uh, you will just read the underlined portions with me. This comes from Psalm 30. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and let my foes and not have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought me my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you, his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God. I will give thanks to you forever. Amen. And as we come to our time of worship this morning, I would encourage you to do as the psalmist does. Reflect on the truth that you believe. Praise the Lord for who he is and for what 
he has done.
in the virgin birth. I believe in the saints' communion and in your holy church. I believe in the resurrection when Jesus comes again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. We believe this, Lord.
has come to me. Once more, church. And oh, what an amazing love I see. What an amazing love I see. That your grace has come to me. Father, thank you for all that you've done for us. We praise you for the grace and peace that we've received through Jesus Christ. Bless your servant now as he comes to preach your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Uh, before we <clears throat> pray, just want to quickly mention, I forgot to mention earlier, that uh, uh, today we are collecting the Operation uh, Christmas Child Shoe Boxes. And so if, uh, uh, if, you, uh, <clears throat> if you have brought any in, please make sure that, uh, that, you, uh, that you bring them, or I guess uh, that you don't go home without uh, leaving them here, because uh, today's the last day to turn them in, and we're actually going to pack them outside uh, this front entrance in uh, Cindy Woods's car. So if you are able and willing, uh, if you would help uh, collecting the boxes uh, to bring them to uh, outside to this uh, exit to Cindy's car. So let me, uh, let me pray for us, and we'll actually pray a special prayer as we send out these boxes. Lord, the psalm says that the heavens declare the glory of God. Lord, and we, we thank you for the opportunity to come together this morning to join all of your creation in singing your praise. Your scriptures also point or paint for us a picture of the heavenly places where the angels are continuing to, to worship you and to praise you. And it is, it is an amazing honor and privilege to join the choir of heaven to worship you, to praise you, to lift up our hearts and our voices, to declare who you are and what you've done for us. Lord, you are worthy of all glory and honor and praise because you are the God who created all things and because you are the God who, who saved us through Jesus Christ. Lord, so we, as a church, we want to honor you and we want to glorify you. Lord, would you please, please help us to do that through your, the power of your Holy Spirit. Not only when we come here on Sunday mornings, but when we meet in the context of our, of our small groups, when we are living our lives in, in our workplaces or at home or doing chores or whatever it is we do. Lord, help us to do all of these things to your eternal glory. You have created all things because you are a God of love. But ultimately, you created all things for your eternal glory. And so we pray that you may help us to live our lives for you, Lord. Lord, we pray for those who are, who are sick this morning from, from just different uh, illnesses, illnesses or head colds. And we pray that you would, 
grace uh, your people with your strength, with your energy. We pray that you would heal them and sustain them and help them, Lord. Father, we pray that that even in sickness, Lord, that your people would continue to glorify you and to worship you for who you are and all that you have done. Father, we pray as we send out these boxes, Lord, to, that will, along with many others across the world, that will be dispersed to many countries in the world. Father, we pray that these boxes would get into the right hands, Lord, to get to the right places, that even when the, the world is learning to operate in the midst of a pandemic, Lord, that these boxes would get to the right places, Lord. That nothing would stand in the way of these boxes getting to where they need to go. And Father, we pray for, for the different uh, ministry leaders, for different pastors, for different churches, for different ministry centers, Lord, that will be receiving these boxes. Lord, with, may they be encouraged would you help them as they, as they plan for community events? Would you give them wisdom and guidance? Lord, we pray for perhaps many for, for, the, for staff that are involved in, in, in passing these out that may not be believers. Lord, we pray for their salvation. We pray that this would be a means of their hearing the gospel so that they may be saved. Father, we pray as, as these boxes get into the, the hands of these little ones. Lord, may they be encouraged. May they just exude a, a happiness. Lord, may this provide an opportunity for them to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, would you see fit to include many upon many upon many of these little voices to join the choir of heaven in singing of your praises and glory. Would you save many of these children, Lord? And through them, would you also save parents? Would you save family members as well? Lord, we pray, we plead for a great salvation to come through these boxes. Lord, so we pray that you would help these, these little ones to understand the gospel, that they may hear it and that they may believe in Jesus Christ. Lord, in that same spirit, Lord, we, we include our prayers for, for our little ones the little ones represented in our church, Lord. We pray, we plead for their salvation, God. Lord, we pray for Stephanie and Olivia. We pray for Annalise and Emma and Daniel. Lord, we pray for Sophia and Asher. We pray for Elena and Kendallin. Lord, we pray for Eloise. We pray for Tristan. We pray for the babies that are yet to be born but are in the womb of their moms. Lord Jesus, please save them. Help them to understand the gospel at an early age. Help them to trust in Jesus at an early age. Help them, Lord. We pray that they would dedicate their lives to living for the honor and glory 
of the one who made them in their image. Lord, we trust you for all of these things. And it's in this this same spirit that we also pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So if you would, please turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1, 15, and read down to the end of the chapter. Ephesians 1.15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Lord, we pray for the time that we have this morning to think about your church, to be taught on your church. We pray that you may help us by your spirit to understand these things. Help us, Lord. Uh, to walk in the reality of, of what it means to live as one who belongs to the household of God. We pray for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. What is the most cherished or most dearest place for you? From some of you, it might be just being at home, Right, with family, maybe it's large family gatherings where you can bring all family, all extended family together. For some of you, it might just be hanging out with friends, having a good time with friends and laughing and enjoying each other's company. For some of you, it might be just being home alone. Some of you might just be going on vacation, getting away from the stress of the daily routines, getting away from work. For some... There probably is no such place. In the Gospels, we read about Jesus, how he welcomed sinners, how he ate with sinners, 
And two of the most, of the most despised people in his day were the lepers, right? Nobody wanted to be around the lepers, thinking that they were, they were contagious, didn't want to be around, didn't want to catch what they had. And there were the tax collectors, right? Those who were Jewish, and, but employed by the Romans to collect taxes from the Jewish people. And Jesus ate with those people as well. Jesus drew near to the leper. For many people in Jesus' day, the most cherished place on earth was wherever Jesus was. Because Jesus is full of grace, full of compassion, full of mercy, is full of love. So a couple of weeks ago, we started a series on the church. What is the church? What does the church do? What is the church for? And give you a working definition of what the church is. The church is a people redeemed through Christ from slavery to sin who gather together for the glory of God. So what I did was break, I broke that definition down to three parts. And a couple of weeks ago, we, uh, we got through the first two parts. So the first part, just a quick recap a people redeemed through Christ from slavery to sin. This speaks to uh, sound doctrine. Right? If we are going to come together as a church, well, it's important that we believe in the same things, not just anything, but it, that we believe the right things. In order to have the church, in order to have this unity that we are called to have with one another, when we need to believe right, that God, that there is a God, that everything began with God, that God created everything, that God created man in his own image, and that we are sinners in need of reconciliation with God. And because of our sins, we are separated from God. And God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world who lived as a perfect man and perfect God, fully man, fully God, without sin, died on the cross for our sins. So that anybody who believes in Jesus Christ is saved from their sins, is reconciled to God has eternal life with God and with Jesus Christ, and are indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God, who is part of that trinity. And the Spirit of God is the, is the seal of our salvation. He's the one who takes us through the process of sanctification. And we have to believe that Jesus will one day return again. The Bible doesn't tell us when that day will be, but it just tells us that he will return. And we have to believe in the scriptures, that this is the inspired word of God. And so we have to uh, believe in these things. We also believe, right, that salvation is only by faith in Jesus Christ. We're not saved by our works, no matter how good they are, no matter the amount of good works we spend doing in our lifetime. That's not what saves us. It's faith in Jesus Christ that saves us. And when we, we are saved... We are included into the household of God. That's the New Testament language. We're made a part of the family of God. We become brothers and sisters in Christ. With Jesus Christ as our head. So we're one with Christ and we are one with another. And then what comes out of that confession, what comes out of believing in the gospel is that is a community. That's the second part of that definition. The church is a people redeemed through Christ from slavery to sin who gather together. And in the context of this community, we have fellowship. And these are the following are things that I will talk about separately in different sermons. But the gospel creates community. And in the context of this community, we have fellowship, right? We gather together. We come together. We enjoy each other's company. We exhort. We encourage 
one another, we strengthen one another, we correct one another when there needs to be correction. And in the context of that community, there's, there's service that we, we, we use our, our energies, our time, our efforts, our gifts, our talents in order to serve one another. That's what we're called to do. Putting each other's interests before our own. And in the context of this community, and we see this also in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 42, in that first church, that this first church devoted themselves to prayer. So in the context of this community, the people came together and they prayed regularly. They prayed often. Hence, one of the reasons why we have a time of pastoral prayer on Sunday mornings. So all these things happen in the context of community. And then we also spend a little bit of time talking about membership and what does membership communicate? Why is it important? Stated the obvious uh, that there is no passage in the scriptures that explicitly tells you to be a member of a church, but there are many passages in the New Testament that seem to uh, assume that some kind of formal membership was happening. And just for pragmatic reasons, it makes sense to have some kind of membership because membership helps to identify who are your leaders. Membership is assumed when you are called, according to Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew, to exercise church discipline. The process of coming to somebody and uh, who might be an unrepentant sin and encouraging them lovingly to repent of their sin and when they refuse, ultimately taking it to the church and God forbid if it ends up in a case where they are excommunicated. Right? There's a process where you can have to say that this person, well, we can no longer affirm as a brother or sister in Christ because they're no longer living as a Christian. But it's difficult to remove somebody from that kind of community if they were never a part of it from the very beginning. So all that, all these things happen in the context of community. John Calvin writes, all who reject the spiritual food of the soul divinely offered to them by the hands of the church deserve to perish of hunger and famine. So it's speaking to how essential it, this community is, that in the context of this community, where we come together to learn about the Lord Jesus, to grow in our faith, to encourage one another. And that this helps us to continue to walk our lives as Christians, which is already hard enough to do. Never mind to do it alone. And so, I guess a twofold aim that I have in starting this series on the church, one is that we come to a, just a common understanding of what the church is, what the church is for, what the church does. But the second thing is that, and this requires much more prayer than it does the first reason, and that second reason is that, that you, if you don't already, but that you would learn to really value, to really cherish the church to see the church, to see the context of this community as one of the most dearest and most cherished places on earth. So then those are the first two. And then the, sec, or the, the third, actually, part of that definition, to so the glory of God. So the church is a people redeemed through Christ from slavery to sin who gather together to the glory of God. And this speaks to the, the mission of, of the church. 
So in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, the very end, right, Jesus gives this command to the apostles and ultimately gives it to the church that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, says Jesus, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Right, so no matter wherever there is a gospel-preaching church, wherever there is a gospel-centered, gospel-believing church, no matter what vision statement that church decides to incorporate into its identity, the mission doesn't change. And that is essentially to go and to make disciples. That is the ultimate mission of the church. We're called to go and make disciples. And you make disciples by first preaching the gospel. You preach the gospel. You evangelize. You go on missions. Right now, I'll say this, and this will be another sermon, but I'll say this, that I think the most effective evangelism strategy is not a community outreach, though it does have its place. It's not going door to door. But I think especially here in the hard soil of New England, I think the most effective evangelism strategy is relational evangelism. It's getting to know your neighbor. It's getting to know your coworker. It's getting to know unbelievers. It's getting to know the, your, uh, the owner of your local mom-and-pop shop. It's preaching the gospel over and over and over again. Relational evangelism is a long and slow and sometimes painful process. But we're called to preach the gospel with the hopes and prayer that through the power of the Holy Spirit that people believe in the gospel and repent of their sins, which is the first command, or believe and repent of your sins, says Jesus. And then when someone believes in the gospel of Jesus Christ and repents of their sins, right, the second command that Jesus says is to be baptized. And baptism right, represents one's union with Jesus Christ. And part of that great commission is to teach them to observe all the commands of the Lord. It doesn't necessarily have to happen in that order, right? You have to do some teaching in order to help people understand what baptism is. But that is the great commission of making disciples, preach, baptize, and teach. But if you haven't, even if you've been a Christian for most of your life, whether you are a new believer or been a believer for decades upon decades upon decades, you're still a disciple. We're all still disciples. Right? The reason why you and I are still disciples is because we still sin. We still need to learn and grow. We still need to be taught what it means to follow the Lord. Right? Just because I'm up here, just because I'm preaching, just because I'm the pastor, just because I am an elder doesn't mean I, don't know, I no longer need to be taught. Right? I'm still a sinner just as you are. I still need to be taught. I'm taught by experienced pastors who are older than I. I'm, I'm taught and exhorted and encouraged by my small group community. I'm encouraged and taught through many conversations that I've had with many of you on one-on-one. Right? We all are still disciples. We're still learning. We're all still growing. We never get to a place where we are so mature that we no longer need to be taught. 
Ephesians 4.11, it tells us that Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So Christ gave prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers and the apostles, but the apostles, for I'm convinced that it's not an office that is still present today. But these are given to the church to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to this unity of the faith and this unity of the knowledge of the Son of God. This is something that we work at together. We are all together to grow up into this common unity of the knowledge of the Son of God. The purpose is so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the ways and carried about by every wind of doctrine. I mentioned two weeks ago that one of the greatest opponents historically of the church has been false doctrine. And false doctrine is dangerous because false doctrine leads to damnation. And so it is important, it is vital, it is essential for the church to continue to gather together to encourage one another, to grow up in this faith because this is a means of our continuing in the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints, as it says in Jude. Right, so this, anybody who lives as a Christian, as a solo Christian, is in a dangerous position because they're more susceptible to false doctrine. And that we speak the truth in love, growing up in every way into the head who is Christ. And when each part, that is, when each member of the body is working properly, then the body grows and builds itself up in love. So this is something that we all do together. So we're learning, we're growing, we're encouraging one another, we're teaching one another. And one of my, not one, but I guess two of my biggest desires for us as, our, as a church is that we will become much more involved in missions and we are involved in missions today. We're supporting uh, at least a few different people. We regularly give to the cooperative program, which is funds that are dispersed throughout the world for missionaries. I'm thankful for that. I want to continue to do that. But at the same time, I want to be able to, to uh, have relationships with many missionaries where they can come to the, from the field and just encourage us and tell us how things are going, where we can also send people to them and encourage them and help them with whatever needs that they may have to have those kind of established relationships. And the other thing that I, that I greatly desire for our church, and it's a slow process, is that we would be a church that multiplies, a church that plants other churches. Well, I'm thankful for the denominations. I'm thankful for the North American Mission Board that is focused on planting churches across the country, I think the most effective means of church planting is through the local church, where churches are reproducing itself and sending out 
pastors to go plant other churches. That these are a means that we can continue to make disciples. Right? And if we are going to reproduce ourselves, well, then we have to be a church worth imitating. Not that we are in a better, healthy place. I don't think that we are. But we can certainly strive for more and strive to be better. Because ultimately, right, if we want to have somebody that we call into our church, or if the Lord sees fit to bring somebody, call somebody from our own church to go out and, and plant a church, well, then we want them to know and to, know, to experience what is a healthy and vibrant and growing church so they can go out and do likewise. Not that they have to copy everything that we do, but at least they have something, like some kind of model. And so that's why we've made different changes to Sunday morning service, while we're thinking about the Sunday school program and how to even have that in the midst of COVID, while we have different Bible studies and things going on and things that we want to incorporate in the future. To be able to just get to a place where we are growing and healthy and vibrant to get us to a place where we can support more missionaries and be able to, Lord willing, plant churches. So the Great Commission is to go and to make disciples. But we're not aiming to make disciples just for the sake of making disciples. We're not looking to plant churches just for the sake of planting churches. We're not looking to support missionaries and go on missions just for the sake of missions. We're not looking just to be a healthy church just for the sake of being a healthy church. But the end of all these things is the worship and the glory of God. That's ultimately why we want to continue to grow, to continue to glorify the Lord. In Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 6, some of my favorite passages in the, gospel, in, the, in the book of Romans. Romans 1, verse 1 says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Oh, we paid attention to verse 5. Verse 5 says, Through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among the nations. Why was Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ for the sake of the fame of God's name? Why is anybody called to go on missions for the sake of the fame of God's name? Why is anybody called to preach the gospel to unbelievers for the sake of God's fame? That is ultimately what it's all about. That is ultimately why we have been saved in the first place, for the glory of God. That is ultimately what the church exists for, for the glory of God. John Piper in his book, Let the Nations Be Glad, says this. He says, missions exist because worship doesn't. 
Missions exist because worship doesn't. Meaning that the reason why we preach the gospel, the reason why we send missionaries to the mission field, the reason why we plan churches, the reason why we go and make disciples is because the world is not worshiping Jesus. So let's just say, hypothetically speaking, that every single person on the planet right now is a believer in Jesus Christ, with the exception of one person. One person in the entire planet doesn't believe in Jesus. If that one person doesn't believe in Jesus, then we need to continue to preach the gospel because not everybody worships Jesus. It's ultimately what we're after, the worship of Jesus Christ. We want to worship the Lord Jesus as a church. We want to send out people to preach the gospel so that people will hear about Jesus and worship Jesus. We want people to be saved so that they may worship Jesus. Right, and somebody might say, an unbeliever might say, well, why? I mean, that seems really egotistical that God makes it all about himself. But this isn't a strange thing. I mean, for example, you see it in, in politics. Right? People will volunteer all their time to promote their favorite politician. They'll go and stand on the streets and hold out banners. They'll go and volunteer hours. They'll go knocking on doors uh, to get people to vote for their favorite politician. They're promoting the cause of their favorite politician. But we as Christians, why we're promoting the cause of Jesus Christ. We're promoting the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're promoting the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And we're calling people that, to believe in Jesus because you want to be a part of this kingdom. You want to believe in Jesus because Jesus is the only way of salvation. Because Jesus gives you the joy that you'll never find out there in the world. In the gospel, we see this in Acts chapter 2. The people heard Peter got up, preached the gospel. And in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, we see what the gospel produced. And then it said it produced a gospel community. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says that after they believed in the gospel, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And the, they devoted themselves to the fellowship. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. And they devoted themselves to the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That is what the gospel produced. That is the gospel. Well, you see here in Acts chapter 2, this first church is the gospel made visible. This is what happens when, when people believe in the gospel. They come together in community. And this is something else that we'll talk about when we talk about the fellowship in the church. But I will, what I will say, since we're on this topic of community and fellowship and all to the glory of God, 
when you see the gospel and it produces this kind of community that we read about in Acts chapter 2, you see that community isn't obligated. The community is actually a passion. This was the passion of this people. Believe in the gospel and they wanted to get together with other believers. And they devoted themselves to all these things. They devoted themselves to being taught. We want to learn. We want to grow. We want to mature. Teach us. Let us learn together. They devoted themselves to fellowship. I want to get together with brothers and sisters. I want to be encouraged by them. I want to encourage them. I want to get together. They devoted themselves to prayer, to praying for each other, to praying to the Lord. And at the very end, it says that they were praising God. There it is. The end result of this gospel community born out of believing in the gospel is this glory of God. They wanted to worship God. They were getting together, it seems like, all the time. And this idea of breaking of breads and welcoming each other into their homes is not just that taking the Lord's Supper. It seems, it seems like they were getting together and having meals together. This is something that the gospel produced. And it tells us at the end that the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Did these people, did this first community, this gospel community, engage in some kind of personal evangelism? Probably. Most likely they did. But in addition to that, they lived out the gospel. So outsiders, those who were outside of this gospel community, they heard this remarkable message of the gospel, and they saw something remarkable in this community. And they were drawn to it. And became a part of it as they believed in Jesus. And they also devoted themselves to these things with the results that they were praising God. And something remarkable happens when people believe in the gospel and then those believers come together. It's intended to show something different to the world, something that you don't see everywhere something that only comes from the gospel. The church is the dearest, most cherished place on earth because it is a place where you can come and express your gratitude to the Lord Jesus, the gratitude that you share with other brothers and sisters. The church is the dearest place on earth because it is a context through which you can be fed from the manna of heaven. The church is the dearest place on earth because it is a context where you can learn about the God who has saved you and continues to be good to you. The church is the most dearest place on earth because it is a place where you can come and fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ as the household of God. The church is the most dearest place on earth because it is the place where you come to worship the Lord Jesus together, to sing of his praises to declare how good he is and what he has done. The church is the dearest place on earth because it is a place where unbelievers are welcomed, where they can hear a a remarkable message of the gospel and be able to see something remarkable to this community that is living out the gospel. 
and be invited to believe in that gospel, that they can also become a part of that community. The church is the dearest place on earth because it is the place where God receives so much glory. As people get together, whether it's a Sunday morning or a small group or over a cup of coffee, they come together, have this fellowship, have this unity. And in that way, the Lord is glorified. And living with this passion for the glory of God is another thing that you can't really obligate. But that's, that's has to be a passion, a passion of the heart. You want to live for the glory of God. Because again, that's ultimately what the church is for. And we bring glory to God by making disciples, by teaching one another, by encouraging one another, by coming together and fellowshipping with one another, and by going out and preaching the gospel. My desire is that for all of us, that the church may be the most dearest place on earth. It doesn't have to be the only dearest place on earth. It could be your home. It could be vacation. My prayer and hope that the church is on that list or at the top of that list. The question is, is it? And maybe, yeah, there might be some things that we could do differently. We have to distinguish between preferences and convictions. But let that not be an excuse to look internally and look at your own heart and see if there's, maybe there's some things you got to work out with the Lord as to why the church may not be the dearest place to you if it's not. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you for establishing your church. We thank you that through the gospel, you call us to assemble together and that you do not call us to live out a Christian life by ourselves, which would be excruciatingly hard to do. So we thank you for creating this community that is born out of the gospel. Help us to rejoice in this community, to enjoy this community. Help us to reach out to those who cannot uh, assemble as regularly or as often as they would like because of physical disabilities or illnesses. Help us to encourage one another. Help us to cherish this community that you have created all to the glory of your name. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand join me in worship. I once was lost. I once was lost in darkest night, yet thought I knew the way, the sin that promised joy in life had led me to the grave. I had no hope that you would own her. 
just your voices. Saving grace. 
our time of benediction be reminded of these truths from Isaiah 53 surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows yet we esteemed him stricken smitten by God and afflicted but he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace and with his wounds we are healed all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. And it is under his hand that we live, brothers and sisters. So go forth, living out the truths of the gospel in the world that we live in. You are dismissed until we return again, Lord willing.